are you doing? Good. Happy Palm Sunday. Good to be together in the house of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your amazing love and goodness. We thank you that today we can celebrate a day that was such an important part of the plan and purpose of God. We remember the day when you rode Jesus triumphantly into Jerusalem. You were given the honor that you deserve. You were given the honor that belongs only to you. And Lord, today on Palm Sunday, we honor you. We bow our knee to you. We proclaim that you are the King, the King of kings. You are worthy of all praise, all glory and honor. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I just want to highlight, of course, every one of you would have got one of these crosses and uh, take it, place it somewhere where you can uh, just over this coming week think about and meditate on and, of course, show out of our hearts uh, our appreciation to Jesus for what He did. And I love these palm crosses. I I, I wasn't a churchgoer as well. I was a churchgoer as a kid because I was forced to go to church at school. I went to boarding school, and once uh, when I was in what we would call elementary school or jun- elementary and junior um, middle school, we used to have to go to school uh, to school once a week. Um, no, we used to have to go to church once a week. And then when I went to high school, we had to go every day. Um, so I remember we used to get these at. Uh, on Palm Sunday, and they were always kind of significant moments. And I guess all of that, in a sense, brought me to the place where, as a young man in my early 20s, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And part of that journey I shared last week uh, was that at Easter, I had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, I went to church, and through that, and through a series of events, over a couple of months, I came to the point where I surrendered my life to Christ, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And uh, I've always been very passionate about the, the, the thought of inviting people to church at Easter because it, it changed my life. And uh, on your seat, there are some of these cards, Till the End of Time, which is our theme for Easter. Um, and I want to really encourage you to do something this Easter. Invite someone to church. And it could just be the invitation that transforms and changes their life. Um, and, and so these are tools that we can use. Uh, so please do everything you can to invite someone, because I know the power of that in my own personal experience. So uh, just a reminder that this coming Friday is Good Friday. All over the world, well, all over the British Commonwealth, or it's no longer the British Commonwealth, but the Commonwealth. Um, well, it is the British Commonwealth, actually. Um, all over Commonwealth countries, Good Friday is a public holiday. In Australia, Easter weekend's a big, uh, big holiday weekend. Good Friday is a public holiday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Easter Monday. And uh, so Good Friday is a huge day right across a lot of Commonwealth countries for... Uh, people to go to church, people who normally wouldn't go to church to go to church. And so we, ha- we have an Easter, uh, uh, Easter Sunday service next Sunday, which is going to be awesome. 
Our team have got some great things lined up and prepared. We're going to be singing a brand new song that Jake and Raquel wrote, um, and it's amazing. I've listened to it. But Easter, uh, Good Friday, we have a one-hour communion service at 7 o'clock, and again, come and join us. It's going to be a great time. It's kind of going to have, it's going to be a bit more of an acoustic feel, and we're going to take communion together, and I know it's going to be a great time. Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, and what a great day to come into his house and honor him and thank him for what he did for us. So today, we are beginning the journey of Easter with Palm Sunday. And all over the world, along with Christians all over the world, we're remembering probably along with the day that Jesus was born, the most significant week in human history. It was the week where Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins, rose from the dead, that changed the course of history. And of course, our lives, not just for time, but for eternity. And uh, as we begin this journey, our overarching theme, and you can see on the cards that you have and also here on the screen, is till the end of time. Many of you will remember that when Jesus ascended into heaven, the last words he told his disciples, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age or till the end of time. Jesus promised that he would be with us, and our theme for this year, for the whole year, is presence. God's presence makes all the difference. Our presence makes all the difference. And Jesus promised that he would be present and he would be with us. But as we look at this journey of Easter, I want to I take you and I want us to go on a little bit of a journey, a synopsis of what took place between what I believe was the turning point where Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem and began the journey that ended up at the cross and with an empty tomb. Some months before Jesus was with his disciples in the north of Israel in, and the north of Palestine on Mount Hermon. And there he asked his disciples a significant question and he asked, who do people say that I am? And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter, if you remember, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus then said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give to you the keys of the kingdom. That means you and me as well. We have the keys of the kingdom. I give to you authority, and whatsoever you bind in heaven will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you bind, bind on earth will be bound on earth. Well, Peter was feeling pretty good about himself at that point. And then the next thing Jesus said was, I must now go to Jerusalem where I'm going to suffer at the hands of sinful people and I must be crucified and rise from the dead. And of course, Peter said, no, Lord, that's never going to happen. We're not going to allow that to happen. And Jesus, Peter, of course, went from the, the highs of being praised by Jesus to Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And so Peter was crestfallen. But at that moment, from that confession of Jesus as Christ, Matthew tells us that Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem, 
and he began the journey to Jerusalem that would end in that final week where so many of the events that we're going to look at took place as we follow this journey. I want to pick up the story. Interestingly, I want to move from Palm Sunday, I want to move to the ascension of Jesus Christ, which took place 40 days after His resurrection. And I'm doing that because that is the overarching theme that, and, and the lens through which this year we're going to look at this journey of Easter. In Jesus' last, last instruction to His disciples, Matthew chapter 28, the last verses of the Gospel of Matthew, we read there, Jesus spoke to them, that's the disciples, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Jesus promised His disciples. He promises us that He will be with us always, even till the end of time, even till the end of the age. The Greek word for eternity is eon, and the word here used in the Greek is eonos, which means without beginning, without end, or without beginning or without end. It's about as emphatic as anyone could ever get in communicating uh, that, that He would be there, or Jesus communicating that He would be there always. Now, if you think about this story just for a moment from a practical perspective, have you ever wondered that Jesus was saying to His disciples, I am going to be with you always as He was ascending into heaven and leaving them? Jesus was saying, I'm going to be with you forever while He's disappearing into the clouds. No wonder the disciples were gazing into heaven and they were saying, if you say you're going to be with us forever, why are you leaving us? And as they were going into heaven, ascending into heaven, two angels appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? And you could have identified with any of the disciples if they had time respectfully, angels. That's a stupid question. Because Jesus told us He would be with us always and He's just left us. And the angels didn't answer the question that was begging to be answered why he left them saying those words. Instead, they said this. They said, don't worry. Jesus is going to come back in the same way as he left you. Well, of course, they would probably have said, well, what about in the meantime? They didn't know how long it was going to be, but it we're, here we are 2,000 years later, and Jesus still hasn't come back. So what precisely was Jesus meaning? And so they said, He's going to be with us until the end of time, but He's just been taken from us. And so the disciples at that point went 
back to Jerusalem. And it's interesting here when you look at the book of Acts that Jesus had just told them, go, don't leave Jerusalem, wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went on to say, and I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. You will be messengers, to my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on the earth. So how could there, there be such incongruity between what Jesus had told them, I'm going to be with you always, and the fact that he's just left them. The disparity between what Jesus had said, I'm always going to be with you, and what just happened. He just ascended into heaven. What the angel said about Jesus' return and Jesus' instruction to wait in Jerusalem. And the overarching theme, the words that must have rung in their heart and in their spirit was, I'm going to be with you. What exactly did that mean? And I think that somehow their thoughts must have gone towards what Jesus had said in a few days from now. And the words that the disciple and, and the words that the angels said, don't worry, Jesus is coming back in the same way. Maybe, and it would have been reasonable to think that they thought, okay. Let's add that together. He's coming back the same way. He said, in a few days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus is coming back in a few days. They did not know what was going on. Yet Jesus promised that he would be with them. And somehow, I want to take that thought as we approach Easter. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we can't see Jesus in the picture of what's happening in our lives or what's happening in our world. Sometimes we feel that Jesus is not with us in the sense that we can't feel Him. We can't hear from Him. We, we are, in a sense, flying blind. But the reality of this, the, the reality of what we, we find as we, as we look at this story of Easter and as we go back to what happened between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the elation of Palm Sunday, the triumph, the joy, the jubilation, followed by five days later, the, the abject despair and desperation of their Savior being of Jesus being nailed to the cross, followed by the elation, the soaring elation of Resurrection Sunday that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were on a roller coaster of emotions. And maybe you've been through experiences like that, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the troughs, but the message of Easter is that Jesus promised that He would be with us in the peaks and the troughs, in the times when we can see clearly what's happening, in the times when we don't know what's going on in our lives. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. And that, to me, as we look at this and we look at that, the final words of Jesus is the overarching theme. 
And it's interesting that these were the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. There's greater significance to the last words, the parting words that someone says, and particularly Jesus. He wanted them to know, hey, listen to this. These are my last words to you. I want you to have these firmly planted in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. I am with you always. He promises that he will be with us. And for us, that's the power of the Easter story. And that's where we start as we look at Palm Sunday. Of course, with Palm Sunday, we're starting on a high. We're starting at a high point of this last week of Jesus' life. And I want to read this story to you because uh, I think in Mark chapter 11, Mark writes this story so well and uh, somewhat concisely. So let's read Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through to 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. When we read the story of Palm Sunday, as New Testament believers, we have the ability to look at the lens of what was taking place through the hindsight that we have, through understanding all of the events that followed through understanding the, that this was a prelude to things that were necessary in order for us to be recipients of God's grace and forgiveness and the resurrection power that we experience through Jesus Christ. But Jesus' disciples had a totally different expectation. They looked at their world through the lens of messianic expectation. They saw Jesus as the Messiah, and in Jewish expectation the Messiah was one who would deliver the Jews from their oppressors, would establish an earthly kingdom, would set up a throne, and would rule over the nations from Jerusalem, and of course all those who were there would rule with him. Their view of the events that were taking place, they saw them very much within a physical perspective or a natural perspective. We can understand this because uh, remember James and John's mother, 
came to Jesus and asked Jesus around this time and said, would you please give my sons a seat on your right hand and on your left hand when you rule in your kingdom? Made her very popular with all the other disciples. And Jesus said, it's not for me to give that place, but for those whom my Father has prepared it for. And he went on to say to them that, yes, they were going to experience and drink the cup that he drank, speaking of his death and speaking of his passion, the suffering that he went through and all that they would go through before they went out into eternity and received their eternal reward. But we see that as well when Jesus, when Peter, when, when Jesus was brought before Pilate, and Pilate said to him, are you a king? And are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, I would ask my father, and he, and he would send a legion of angels to fight on my behalf. But uh, he, my kingdom is not of this world. We see that when, we, when, we, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven at the ascension. The disciples ask him, Lord, are you now going to establish your kingdom here on earth? And Jesus must have rolled his eyes at that point and said, when are you ever? Is the penny going to drop? And as he ascended into heaven, he was probably thinking, I hope the realization is sinking in right now because I'm ascending into heaven. I've got confidence in you that you'll work it out. They all thought that Jesus was establishing his kingdom here on earth. But what was happening on Palm Sunday was Jesus was ushering in a greater kingdom. He was ushering in a kingdom that was just not that was not just temporal but eternal. A kingdom that was not just local to the Jewish people but universal to all the nations of the world. A, a, a kingdom that was not just inclusive to those who kept the law uh, exclusive, rather, to those who kept the law, but inclusive of all people. It was a kingdom that was beyond anything that they had ever seen or imagined. And, and it was a kingdom where Jesus would, would, would establish His rule and reign for eternity. And this was the beginning. This was the starting point of what Jesus was going to do in order to make all of that possible. Jesus' triumphant entry was more than a triumphal entry of an earthly king, but a, the triumphal entry of the King of Kings and the establishment of a spiritual kingdom, of the increase of which there would be no end. Everything that happened on that day had prophetic significance. The donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on was prophesied in Zechariah, where Zechariah said, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That had been spoken of prophetically, and as they 
saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem, the people, the fact that he was riding on a donkey was a, was a symbol of his, the fact that he was the Messiah. But God didn't just want to establish a kingdom where he, that was established on what he did for us. God wanted to establish a kingdom in which he could work through us. And the story of the donkey is a significant story because the donkey carried Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And I'm not suggesting today that you're a donkey, but we are all donkeys who can carry the message of Jesus into our city, who can carry the message of Jesus into our community, that can carry a message of hope to our world. Because what Jesus was demonstrating was He was going to do it for us so He could work through us. And I believe that part of the, re the reality of Jesus being with us Lo, I am with you always to the end of time. It's not just so that Jesus can comfort us. I want Jesus to comfort me. It's not just so that Jesus can put his arms around me. I want Jesus to put his arms around me. It's not just so that Jesus can help me experience his love. I want to experience his love. But it's because Jesus wants us to experience His presence so He can work through us so we can bring His love, we can bring His grace, we can bring His message of hope to our world. And the significant thing about this story is, is that Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go and I want you to untie or loose that donkey. The donkey was tied up and it had to be untied and loosed before it was useful for the master's purpose. And what I want to ask you to think about for a moment is how tied up are we to the things of this world, to our agenda, to the things that occupy our time, to our priorities? How tied up are we to those that we may be in a place where God cannot use us the way He wants to use us unless we let go of some of those things. Maybe COVID has given us all a little bit of a shake-up. Jesus saying, okay, you can stay in your homes for a year. And we're so excited now because restaurants are open and Disneyland's open and the movie theaters are open and we can go to sporting events and we can tie ourselves up all over again with all of those things that will keep us from the central purpose. I, I said to my wife, Di, we were talking this morning and I'm right off topic and I'm not going to finish this message, but I feel like it's important as I was reading that verse in Matthew 28, and as, as we were discussing this subject, I said, you know, it's so easy for us to forget what is, ap what is central to God's heart. The whole purpose of God 
And his plan for humanity is to restore us to relationship with him. And everything about God is that, yes, Jesus came that we might have life. Yes, he came that we might live it more abundantly. But in the cold light of reality, there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is life with Jesus. There is life without Jesus. There is the reality of the fact that everything that Jesus did was for that specific purpose, to reunite us with him. And so at Easter, maybe a parting thought as we go out this morning. Of course, there are things that we, that we love to do, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't do that. I can assure you that when I go home after this, I will watch the second half of England's World Cup qualifying game against Albania. I will watch the Formula One Grand Prix. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, I don't want to be tied to things that keep me from the, my purpose to carry Jesus' love and hope into my world. And I believe that all of us can be loosed and all of us can be released so that we can be like that donkey carrying Jesus into our world. What Jesus did that day as every knee bowed before him and as they laid their robes in front of him and they cheered and shouted Hosanna and they proclaimed Jesus as king, what Jesus was, was doing was not only symbolic of what was taking place in the natural realm, it was symbolic of what was taking place in the spiritual realm. Because Paul quotes David's Psalm 68 verse 18 when in Ephesians 4 and verse 8, when he says, the psalmist tells us about this. For he says that when Christ returned triumphantly to heaven after his resurrection and victory over Satan, he gave generous gifts to men. There was another triumphant, triumphal entry. There was a triumphal entry of Jesus after his resurrection into heaven and after his victory over Satan, which only took place because of his death. And again, Paul quotes in Romans 14 and verse 11, uh, he quotes the words of Isaiah 45 and verse 23, which says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will say that I am, that, that I am God. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom that he came to establish would conquer fear, would conquer hatred, would conquer loneliness, disease, oppression, and every power of the enemy. And Palm Sunday set the scene for the devastating effects, uh, events that would follow but established that whatever the enemy was going to throw at Jesus, his kingdom would prevail. I want to close with a thought about what Jesus did when he went into the temple that day. After the triumphant entry, Jesus went to the temple, and the worship team can come now, Jesus went into the temple, and 
the Bible tells us that he looked around at all things. In other words, Jesus went into the temple after the triumphal entry. He looked around at the temple. He looked at what was taking place in the temple. And then he went back to Bethany with his disciples. The next day, Jesus came into the temple and he did something that was very un-Jesus-like. He began to overturn the tables of the money changers and those that were trading in the temple. He drove them out and he blocked their access to come back into the temple. He, he, he probably acted in such a way that his disciples took a step back and went, whoa, we've just seen another side of Jesus. And Jesus said this, he said to them, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. The house of God was designed by God to be a place of connection with Him, a place of prayer, a place of worship. But they, Jesus said, had turned it into a den of thieves. What do thieves do? They rob what's in the house. And what was in the house, the temple, was the presence of God. The temple was the place in those days, in the Old Testament times, where God manifested His presence. Jesus was saying, what you are doing is robbing people of the presence of God. And three things He did that I want to just leave as parting thoughts for you. Number one, He overturned those tables. He he overturned things that had been set up in the house that did not belong in the house. And then the next thing is he drove them out. And then the next thing was he blocked their access. The temple is a picture of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit today. Paul told the Athenians, God does not dwell in temples made by human hands but He dwells in our hearts. We are a picture of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that what Jesus did on that day demonstrated what He wants us to do in our lives. When there are things that set themselves up in our heart, and we've been talking about heart blockages, when they set themselves up, just like those people who set up their tables to trade on, they not only set themselves up where they don't belong, they trade and increase and grow. And what Jesus was doing was he was overturning what didn't belong in the house. He was driving it out and he was blocking its access. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is, as we talk about the presence of God. Yes, Jesus wants to be with us. Yes, Jesus wants to presence himself with us. But he encourages us through this story to overturn what doesn't belong in our lives. Fear. Don't let it take up residence. Don't allow a spirit of fear to take up residence. Overturn it. Drive it out. Block its access. Whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's worry, whether it's offense, whether it's pride, whether it's negative patterns of thinking or an addiction or whatever it may be, it does not belong in our lives because of what Jesus did. And Jesus overturned those tables. And we have the authority to overturn, to drive out, 
and to say, speak to the hand. Doesn't sound right saying it with that accent. Speak to the hand. I don't understand English. They asked Jesus when he did it, by what authority do you do that? And Jesus answered very cryptically as he often did. He said, well, you tell me by what authority John baptized, and then I'll tell you by what authority. And they were confounded. They didn't know how to answer that. So Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But Jesus made it very clear that he was doing it by the authority that was invested in him, in his Father. And Jesus said to his disciples in his parting words before these last statements, Behold, all authority is given to me in heaven on earth, and I give you that authority to go out into your world. And I want to encourage you this, this Palm Sunday. Jesus has given us the authority in Jesus' name. Fear does not belong in our lives. Offense does not belong in our lives. Anxiety doesn't belong in our lives. Worry doesn't belong in our lives. We can overturn it. We can drive it out. We can block its access because Jesus said, I give you all authority. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you say amen to that? Come on, let's stand together. We're going to worship God together for a few more moments.
to take a moment for us to pause at the end of this service. Two things. First of all, I encourage you to just take a moment to pause and to reflect on God's Word, His presence, His grace, His promise. I will be with you always. And if there's anything in our lives that has, in a sense, taken up a place that it ought not to have, that has set itself up on the inside of us, let's intentionally, just as Jesus did, because He did it intentionally. He looked around at all things the night before. He'd noticed and observed what was there. And what he did was very measured. He came back the next day. He didn't do what he did out of reaction or out of rage. or He did it in a manner that was measured to overturn what didn't belong, to drive out what ought not to have been there, to block access to those things, to the temple. So whatever it might be in our lives, whether it's now or when we go home, Lord, help us. Help us to overturn what needs to be overturned. Help us to drive out what needs to be driven out. And help us to block its access. In Jesus' name. And Maybe you're here today and you've never ever accepted Jesus as your Savior. Or you're watching online. And we want to take a moment, as we do in every service, to give you an opportunity to connect with your Heavenly Father. As I was saying earlier, Jesus came. He walked among us. He died on the cross and took our sins and the penalty that we deserved upon Himself so we could be free. So we could be free from the penalty of sin and we could be restored to the relationship that was blocked because of our sin and our wrongdoing so that we could come home to our Heavenly Father and discover our, the purpose for which God created us as His children. And all you have to do is to say yes to Jesus. You don't have to earn that. Jesus did it for us. You just have to accept it. And so we're going to pray this prayer, and I encourage you to pray it with us. Pray it from your heart. And I know that God will hear your prayer. He'll answer your cry. He will show himself to you and reveal himself to you through his presence, his love, and his grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning, and I believe I will never be the same again. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you that I can now know my divine purpose and destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.